0: Right.
1: I, I got I got passes to a screening tomorrow, that movie, The Internship.
0: <laughs> oh, oh gosh. gosh.
1: So if either of y'all want to go, you guys can fight over the <laughs> ticket. You know what would be even lamer than me and uh, one of you guys going to this screening? Me going by myself to this screening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ladies yes. and gentlemen, make yourself a cup of soda. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill.
2: And I'm Richard Barton. And this is Mad About Movies da da, da 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 You sound insane. you realize that oh, yeah. yeah. the whole world got play baby is play play in in it's showtime.
1: That's fine. Matt About Movies is an hour long conversation concerning all things cinema. The first half of the show, we discuss movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings, and we talk about what's currently piquing our interest in the world of Hollywood. In the second half of the show, we go over our chosen movie of the week, and we give you guys our review. And as an added bonus, please stay tuned to the end of each episode for our weekly recommends, in which we suggest something you guys need to check out as soon as you can. This week, we are focusing our efforts on what, Brian? This week we will be talking about The Great Gatsby. Shall we? You're this Gatsby. Do you know him? War, you, Mr. Gatsby, Gatsby doesn't exist. Gatsby, what Gatsby? This is probably the most well-known story, maybe we've ever done on the on the show. I don't think we've done any adaptations, have we? Other than maybe the Evil Dead remake. We did the Hobbit. The Hobbit. It's okay. Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah. We had a good time talking about that one. Yeah. Um, coming into this one, I, I was a fan of the Great Gatsby, but uh, I don't think any of us are. Um, as big of fans as we were of The Hobbit, you know, going in. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I think that'll play on our perspective. But we'll have to see. I was.
2: I'll read Gatsby over Hobbit. So take that.
1: Uh, How dare you. I probably would too, considering it's only like 160 pages compared to yeah. The Hobbit. Um, So we'll have to see. But first, let's talk a little bit of movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings. Uh, today, unfortunately, not a lot of movie news – to report on, but we have a lot of TV news that I would like to discuss, if that's okay with you guys. Fine with me. We'll allow it. Uh, First, I wanted to mention um, Saturday Night Live news. Two things to mention, actually. Uh, First thing, Bill Hader is leaving SNL after this season. uh, In, I think, two weeks from now. So um, He's pretty much the only reason I'm watching SNL anymore. (laughs) <laughs> so oh, when man. he leaves, it's I don't think I'm, I'm gonna watch it. Uh, depending on who's the host now, I mean, I used to watch it every week because there'd be a few good hater moments in there, you know. They pretty much guaranteed every episode. So uh, yeah, thoughts thoughts on uh, Bill Hater, Brian?
0: Uh, sad day, definitely. I texted Richard this morning when I when I saw the the news. Um, I think we we kind of expected that. When you say Richard, we, we kind of thought this would be his last season. Oh yeah, yeah. I would have been. Surprised, actually, if it wasn't. Yeah,
2: so he's got a lot of movies coming. To, oh yeah,
0: he's he's turning turning into a full fledged move. Well, movie star is not the right term, but he's going to be in a lot of movies uh, over the next yeah. few years. So, um, it but it is a sad day. hater is a great part of that show. I think I think maybe one of the most underrated parts of that show. I think he's kind of the glue that has held it together, uh, at times over the last few years. Um, and, uh, and so I'm definitely sad to, sad to see him go. And, uh, I hope he'll come back and, and do the, the cameo spot from here and th- here and there, um, and bring back Stefan because Stefan is my favorite Saturday Night Live character of all time. And, uh, I, I don't want to live in a world without Stefan. So,
1: uh, yeah, definitely. Richard.
2: No, I mean, I love, I've loved this cast. To me, I mean, you know, it looks like Armisen's staying around another year and Keenan Thompson staying around another year. But to me, this is kind of the end of the – Brian and I were talking about this earlier. The, the uh, wig, hater. Again. Yeah. Wig, hater. Seth Meyers is obviously leaving, which we'll talk about. Forte left a couple of years ago. That kind of class, I think of them all together. And I think of them as one of the deepest classes of all time. Totally. And, and hater – uh, to me, was the kind of the superstar of that class, just with how versatile he was and uh, how talented, how talented of a performer he was. Uh, and so, yeah, no, a great run though. He was on what eight years. Uh, yeah. Just one of those guys that always popped out the screen the minute you saw him. And uh, fun, fun. You know, he'll be back. We'll see him. We'll, he's not going anywhere. We'll see him in some movies, I'm sure. And he's got that movie coming out with Kristen Wiig later in the year. And and. uh no a, a sad but fun day i think i'm excited now I was already excited for this uh week's episode because well obviously kanye west but uh now <laughs> yeah. I'm even more excited to, to kind of see the hater farewell
1: yeah exactly um bill is one of the few like new era s n l cast members that kind of has um screen presence on a movie you know i i i think samberg left you know s n l last year two years ago, maybe even and has he done anything since then except doing random lonely island uh, cameos? You know what I mean? Like Yeah, uh,
0: he's got a pilot next year for for Fox. And I know he's in that Adam Sandler movie, but I guess that that was before he left the show, but um that's yeah. that's about it. Yeah, he's he has he certainly hasn't taken off, but I do think he spent a lot of time doing the lonely island bit and Totally. Whatever that's worth. So
1: Yeah, that's I mean that's art right there. That's the only word I <laughs> can choose to describe it is art. Right, right. Um so uh it's only a matter of time now till Sudakis leaves. I, I'm guessing he'll probably be the next next to leave. He was supposed to leave uh prior to this season, but uh the election he was playing Mitt Romney, so if he ha- had he won the election, um we don't uh <laughs> he he probably would have stayed on for four more years at least, right, you know. Right. So Yeah. Um, so we'll <laughs> see. What do you think? Uh, who do you think is the next to leave, Richard?
2: I think Sudeikis is gone. Um, this, I I'm think, surprised
1: Armisen still on. Yeah. I think
2: Armisen will be on for a while. Um, yeah. I think he kind of—he's such a sketch comedian, uh, not unlike Tim Meadows and not unlike uh, Daryl Hammond. Where I don't know if there's much of a market for him now, yeah. now, more than ever, right? I mean, like now, now a lot of these SNL people it used to be—you did movies or you did nothing. Now, as we've seen with Parks and Rec and things like that, you can, you can go on to television, 30 Rock, things like that. So there's maybe more of a market for Armisen later. But I think he's such a sketch comedian uh, like Meadows and Hammond. He, he may do 12, 13 years on the show uh, and just kind of do his thing. Yeah. And,
0: well, and he's, he's the type of guy too that seems like he doesn't have too much of an ego about his place on the show. So he can fit into the background of a, of a sketch just as well as he can um, you know, be the, the lead in a, I mean, you go. There are t- sometimes you go an entire week and you don't see him, and that yeah. doesn't seem like a, a huge issue for him or, or anybody on the show. And so I think there's there's some value in that uh, to have that guy around, that kind of veteran presence, um, who doesn't really necessarily have to be in six sketches a week. Yeah.
1: Think about, I mean, going on that veteran presence point, like Bill Hader is in every single skit. Yeah. It seems like. And he's the lead on pretty much everything. It's it's freaking crazy. It's going to be weird not having him on there, honestly. It's going to be interesting to see who steps up. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Well, Taron yeah. Killam is kind of the guy. that Yeah, they're, right. I like Bobby
1: Moynihan, too. I think he's got some yeah, funny stuff.
2: He is funny. I, I think Moore is going to be, you know, you always kind of have that leading man that can do uh, straight material as well as kind of goofy stuff. Feral, hater, yeah. um, Phil Hartman. Uh, so, you'll have, I think they're kind of grooming Taryn for that part. Uh, Moynihan is sort of a side, you know, in that more forte. Uh, Chris Farley. Chris yeah, Chris Catan, Chris Farley kind of role. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. They have a really strong female cast right now. Some of those new girls they added are really talented. Kate great. McKinnon. Abby Elliott. Yeah. Abby Elliott's gone. So oh, got I fired. mean, um,
1: um, Vanessa Bayer, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. Vanessa Bayer.
2: Yeah. Vanessa Bayer is great. So I mean, they have they have I think uh, they've done a good job in the last year of of getting some people. So it's you know it's I always SNL is like watching a baseball team or a fantasy team or something. You, you have to kind of you know honestly Forte Armison Hater were not that great when they first started as a unit. You have to let these things kind of gestate and right. get used to writing together and working together. You know it's not the end of the world. there, there will be another really funny SNL cast in probably yeah. three or four years. Um, actually, I don't think. You know, Brian and I have talked about this a lot. I, I think this has been a pretty bad year uh, from a writing standpoint. They've had a really talented cast, but the jokes have been really lazy. Yeah. So, you know, you can invigorate it with some new writing, and and you'd be surprised. So, I, I'm excited. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's kind of we'll start over again for the next eight to ten years, and and uh, I'm sure we'll have lots. Of, you know, as yeah. long as Lauren's in charge, Lauren is such a has such an eye for talent, and uh, you know, we think of these huge gaps in SNL when it's been really bad and these have been you know, one or two year stretches and then it gets pretty good again uh, I, I, I totally trust, trust his judgment and hopefully the three of us will get jobs exactly
1: <laughs> um, speaking of, of Lauren Michaels he such, such a visionary guy um, so he's um, taken the reins and sort of put himself in charge of finding the uh, successor to Jimmy Fallon on the late night program So, uh, word came down this week. I wanted to mention it in movie news, movie rumors, and movie rumblings that, uh, Seth Myers will be taking over for the, for the late night program. So Mm -hmm. probably the safest choice, I would say. Mm. Um, and I think that's a good word, uh, good word to describe the whole situation. Very safe. You know what you're going to get, you know, um, very, uh, funny potential, you know, for writing bits and everything and sort of making the show his own, I think, uh, more potential than than I saw in Jimmy Fallon. I mean, I didn't see anything coming from Jimmy Fallon when they announced he, he was going to have a show. So, um, definitely a little more excited for this one than than I was for Fallon. So, uh Brian Gill. Yeah, I I think uh I think that's a good choice. I really like
0: I've always liked Seth Meyers. I think he's obviously a very talented guy. Um, I'm a I'm a Conan loyalist. I I recognize that that the Conan show is not nearly as good as I anytime I watch a Jimmy Fallon show, I think it's great, um, yeah. and, I, and I recognize that it's probably better than Conan is. But uh, but I love Conan, and so I I stick around for that. the The one issue or complaint, I guess, that I might have with the Seth Meyers choice is that you're now backing up um, Jimmy Fallon with it, it, you 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 run the risk of becoming redundant going from Jimmy Fallon to Seth Meyers. Yeah, there sort of there's the a lot stick. of similarities. That, yeah. Yeah. Um and so I, I guess we'll have to see how that kinda plays out. But um, you know, I think it's a good choice. I think Seth will be good at that that role. He was great on on uh Regis and Kathy Lee when he when he did a few spots uh in, in place of Regis. Um Richard and I talked about before, I think I I think that was his job to take if he wanted it. Um, but maybe this is something that's more up his alley. Anyway, I think he'll be great at it. I don't know that I'm ever going to religiously tune into either of those shows. The, the late night talk show is kind of a, uh, fading art, uh, obviously, but, um, I think that you're, you're right. That's a safe
2: choice and I'm sure he'll be good at it. Richard well i mean i i love uh late night tv more than i think anyone loves anything um <laughs> and so i love these breakdowns. i know i wanted seth myers originally was my choice when fallon got the job sure um i really thought he he's a better joke teller than fallon uh which i've been and Ken, i'll be i'm with you i was very surprised at uh not only fallon's success but uh how deserved his success is he's really good he's He's really good and uh, Lauren has a great thing where he said, uh, you know, Jimmy will be successful because people like Jimmy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, likability is a big thing. I think Myers has a lot of that. Do we know? Is he moving to L.A.? I haven't heard. I don't know. It would be weird to have them both in New York. Um, so I would assume Myers is moving to L.A. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh I, I don't really know what the thing. I think he, you're, I think Kent, you put it very well and succinctly. It's it's a very safe choice. It, it may end up being a very good choice. I think it is a little redundant. I don't know if their humor is that similar. Uh, Jimmy's much more sketch oriented and musically oriented, whereas Seth is more just straight joke telling. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but they look alike, kind of, and they have. They're both kind of silly. There is something aesthetically similar about them. And they come uh, from the same place, so I mean, I I get I get your point there. So
1: I see it. uh, I see Seth Meyers' show as being more of a kind of like the Daily Show. You know, I can see him doing more political humor, um, a lot of YouTube clips and stuff. You know, sort of kind of what Jimmy Kimmel has been doing. Uh, So I don't. I see. Yeah, I I definitely see Jimmy Fallon as more of the, um, you know, how David Letterman. Is you never know what he's gonna do. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. like, the randomness is what's great about Jimmy Fallon's show. I think yeah. I think Meyer show is gonna be very structured, but still very good. Um, I I don't doubt it's gonna be good. One person and, that yeah, I wanted ahead, to mention yeah. who I thought could have taken over and been great was Joel McHale. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know why there wasn't more discussion on on other people taking over. You know what I mean? It seemed like. Ever since they announced that, that Jimmy Fallon was taking over for Leno, it was like, okay, Seth Meyers. You know? yeah. It was like there was not even one other name really mentioned. Uh, well, I, no. think, I think part of it is – sorry, Richard. I didn't mean
0: to cut no, you off. You're I, good. I think part of it is you have to find somebody who doesn't really have a whole lot of interest in actually acting and fleshing out a, a wider range of, of – uh, of credits for, for
2: the resume, uh, well, Joel McHale. I mean, that's... obviously no one has seen fever pitch or Taxi. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. But you know what I mean? I mean, no, uh, yeah, no. Myers and, and Fallon both are not really, um, don't ever seem like they're that concerned about being in a movie anymore. Um, and Conan's obviously the same way has no ambition to act. Uh, Joel McHale, I like I think, Chris Hardwick uh, too. I'll have to differ with you on that, I hate yeah. his hard way I, <laughs> so stand, I just can't stand him he's, but,
1: a, he's a poor man's uh, Seth Myers,
0: sure, yeah sure. I understand his appeal his appeal to me is but but it's it's i I don't like him at all but i but he fits into what yeah the the same category of the guy who's not really an actor but same he's choice. a performer and a presence and so
1: Richard. yes, um who else did you uh say you would you would have liked to I've hosted the late night program.
2: Yeah, that's what I was getting to. I mean, Seth is a really safe choice, but then when you think about it, there's really no one else to choose. I was, I thought they it might be interesting. Like, how many times can you pick the brown haired, haired, you know, white guy? Yeah. Uh, So I thought they might go with a a female or George Lopez. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That one that Uh, worked.
1: I remember that show. I actually (laughs) love that show. Um. Yeah. Right.
2: Lopez tonight. Uh,
1: that was the biggest joke. Every joke was racist. Every single one. <laughs>
2: uh, wait, is he Mexican or something? I haven't heard that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was voting for Barkley. I just wanted Late Night with Charles Barkley. Yeah, I could. And it's I just him. It's just him in a Lazy Boy, and he tells some stories. At some point, he falls asleep, and then you, you just go to bed with him. He never gets to his guests. Um Yeah, I, I thought it, it was either going to be. Look, it was going to be your com- com- comedian de jure. It was going to be Seth Meyers. I don't think there's any other comedian being considered. Um, but I thought they might go really out of the box with it and pick somebody that you wouldn't think, like a Baldwin or, uh, you know, move Ellen to Late Night. or You know what I mean? Something not, Obviously, the, both those are pretty outrageous. But, I mean, something like that that kind of like was a really, really kind of... Yeah, or go with an unknown like they did with Conan. Um, you know, uh, so... I was I was surprised. No, I wasn't surprised at, at Seth, but I, I don't think there was really any other comedy name that uh, that could be chosen.
1: Yeah, I um, I I agree with your point, Brian. How you said it's kind of kind of might be redundant. You know, people. Yeah. How how much do people love SNL? And you know, it's like, um, I guess anyone who who hosts Weekend Update is going to get a show now. Do You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: that is, I mean that's your it's own. Kind of a, it's
1: kind of the cherished role, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I didn't really like Seth Myers much when he did it with Amy Poehler on Weekend Update, but I loved it when Poehler left. As soon as Seth Myers was the only one and he kind of made it his own thing, you know? Sure. Yeah. I kinda he it, it kinda felt like he was writing those jokes himself, do you know what I mean? And it wasn't like a performance. It was yeah. It was great. Um so yeah, we'll see. I got high It's also
2: important, you know, as a late-night host, this was another thing I learned, I worried about with Fallon, but he's proven me wrong. You know, you really have to know how to work a writer's room and how to run a writer's room. I mean, every late-night host, for the most part, is their own head writer. Yeah. Um, and Seth Meyers has a lot of experience being the head writer on SNL. I mean, he was the head writer on SNL for six or seven years. Yeah, Which is a... Obviously you write a lot of material, but it's also an administrative job. Like you, you are kind of the boss of the writer's room. It's a it's a managerial job. And you know, as as glamorous as a late night talk show host is, you have to put out an hour of show every day. So there's a lot of back behind the scenes stuff you have to do, and I think Myers is very well equipped for that. Pretty much having co run SNL with Lauren Michaels for the last, you know, six years. Yeah. So uh he he is very well prepared the way you can see that is pretty much any other talk show host takes about a year to prepare the show. Fallon took about uh, eight or nine months of, of work before he ever went on the air. Uh, they're giving Seth Meyers one month. <laughs> He's going to yeah. stay on SNL through January and he starts this show in February. While that seems weird, it just kind of shows their confidence is look, we're going to get some writers hired and this guy's going to know how to do a show, I mean, he knows how to do it. Um, so, I think that month of prep time is pretty incredible and it is definitely a vote of confidence in his uh managerial styles. Definitely. Yeah.
1: Hope I'm gonna miss Jay Leno though, said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> he'll get his own he'll get a show somewhere, you know. Yeah. You know, he'll be
2: Weather Channel. He'll be
1: around. I'll be around guys. Don't <laughs> worry.
2: He'll be high fiving. He may come out and high five us.
1: Yeah, hopefully. You know. We're I thought we were gonna done. start hopefully, every you know, podcast. Yes.
2: Yeah, Canadian tuxedo. And, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> um, anything else you want to mention for movie news, Richard? Brian?
2: No, it's a very slow week. Very yeah, slow
1: I'll
0: week. I'll go. I've got one thing, and it is also TV related. Um, the uh the upfronts are taking oh, yeah. place this week. Oh yeah. Uh, with NBC, Fox, CBS, and and uh, ABC rolling out their fall schedules. Um, but I, I'm always fascinated by this process. Uh, just. The pilots that get picked up, the ones that don't, things like that. Um, but the biggest news that came out, in my opinion, and I don't know if you guys are in the same boat as me, but um, Fox has announced that next summer we're going to get a 12-episode sort of mini series run uh, reboot, I guess, of 24, right. the hit series 24. Uh, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on that. I don't know if, if either of y'all have ever been big fans of the show or if that even registered uh, to y'all when, when that news came down this week.
1: I have only seen one episode of 24. Okay. Uh, partly because I knew that the premise of the show is that everything happens – it's like an hour of a day or whatever. Right. Uh, so I knew that – I kind of got the impression that if I miss one episode, I was kind of out of the loop on the That's thing. That's true. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, totally. So uh, I'm sure it's great, you know, but i just never seen it really. So Richard? Okay.
2: Yeah, I've always had this joke that my Dream 24 series is – on the 18th episode, Jack Bauer figures everything out, and then he just goes to bed. Yeah,
0: just sleeps. And there's just six down. six yeah.
2: straight, straight hours of just like a, a one of those weird alarm clocks from the mid 90s that glows red and just a dark screen. <laughs> right. And then somewhere in episode like 22, he gets up and pees. Yeah. <laughs> He's getting older, and right. then goes right back to bed. Right. Um. That's always been my dream, 24 season. But that being said, I, I've seen, I saw season one. Uh. Uh-huh. I saw season two and I think I cashed out halfway through season three. I don't know why. It was just like I had something on that night and forgot to depot it and then never, never caught up. I, I work with, I worked at borders with a woman who was madly in love with Jack Bauer, not Kiefer Sutherland, but Jack Bauer actually in love with him, had posters all over her office. That's normal. Sure. Yeah. She's a really great lady, but uh, that was her thing. And, uh, I you know I I really see the value of it. It's it's fun. It's kind of one of those things where uh, I think this is interesting. The way they're bringing it back, kind of cutting the the run in half and doing kind of a mini series. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I think it's cool. I mean, it shows that I don't really remember under what circumstances it it went off the air though. Was it canceled? Did it just kind of flame out? You know, they
0: I think Sutherland wanted to do other stuff and it had kind of run its course. The last season of of twenty four is. I think it's glorious, but it is kind of over the top and just insane. I mean, there's this, there's a scene in the last season, like, I don't know, the last episode or the episode pretty close to the end where Jack just does, I mean, just one of the most ridiculous things it's ever done. And you just have a guy sitting there screaming, that's Jack Bauer. That's Jack Bauer, you know? And it just, it, it kind of almost becomes self-aware and ridiculous to the point that it'd probably run its course, um, but I am excited. I love the show. It's been—it's one of my absolute favorite shows. The—the the whole thing, um, season two and three are kind of mad, but—but one and then four through eight are great. Um, more importantly, I think it's cool to see to see Fox and maybe other networks in the future go this route and run these kind of uh, short seasons uh, in the summer, especially when there's really nothing going on um, that are maybe geared to. I, I think. Because it is a summer show, because there's so little expectation, you can see some things happen. Kind of what we talked about before about like Netflix and and places and, and other uh, mediums besides just the major four networks being a a safe harbor for shows that we want that we want to watch that aren't necessarily going to draw great ratings. And I think that's a, in my opinion, that's a step in the right direction for Fox or or any of the big four networks uh, to start doing short term programming like that. During the summer and not so much worrying about ratings because it's always going to be better than, like, the rerun ratings of, I don't know, Bones or whatever. How dare Burn notice. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, no, I agree. That's exciting and I'm going to watch it. You know, it's like yeah. uh, I have a chance now to kind of start anew. So sure. That's cool. That would be interesting to see if they do that with other shows, you know, that have a cult following. To right. Do a little ten episode run here and there, here and there every other year or whatever would be great. Right, um, that's yeah. the
0: way to do television. In my opinion, yeah. like if I mean, you're that, not that's gonna like their last the chance. That's me- success, yeah.
1: you know.
0: Yeah, if you're not going to do the CBS method where your everything on your network is going to be super accessible to the largest group of people possible, then the way to do it is to do these ten to thirteen episode seasons um, and just not worry about putting them on on. Thursday night at eight o'clock, but put them on on Friday or put them on on you know during the summer or whatever. Um, that's that's a that's a smart way, in my opinion, to build to build loyalty with with the cons- with the customer that might otherwise never watch a show on your network.
1: Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, agreed. Um, on the note of of Upfront, I saw that Marvel's Agents of Shield series got picked up by ABC.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So exciting i saw a trailer and there was marvel superheroes in it there was a hulk and uh some other guys and agent agent colson is apparently back uh, yeah clark Gregg, who's great so he is. he is this really, season can really, be excited.
0: really yeah the fall schedule could be really interesting this year i texted both of you guys uh earlier this week and just said we need to do a when the, when the fall season of tv starts we need to all just commit to watching all the pilots and uh and kind of coming and doing a, doing an episode of the podcast on, on the, uh, the various pilots that we watched and just kind of great amount. This last year, the, the 2012, 2013 TV schedule, as far as new shows was the worst I can ever remember. Um, it's just not a single show that was appealing to me uh, at all, but I can't obviously have no idea if any of these shows are really going to pan out, but there is a lot of shows that at least look interesting enough to watch the first episode and and see kind of where we're at from there. So Yeah,
1: I totally agree. It's a good start. Yeah. Um, Anything else you guys want to mention before we move on to uh, the movie of the week?
0: No, I got nothing.
2: Richard? Uh, I love both of you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Hey, man, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ziprecruiter.com/mad. That's ziprecruiter.com/mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ziprecruiter.com/mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am? fam? Kent here. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy-glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com mad. That's blueapron.com mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. All right, let's talk about Gatsby. Mr. Gatsby, I'd like to know exactly who are you anyhow. Can't you see who this guy is with his house, his parties, his fancy clothes? All right, so uh, Richard Barden, I want to... Let you take the reins on this one. You oh. see, you saw this thirty minutes ago, so um, and you're also as you're a literary know, our literary expert. Yes,
2: okay. so uh, go ahead, sir. So I just lead with my review. Yeah, well, I have to say, I, I like like you said, I just got done seeing it, and that was by far the best Great Gatsby theme park ride I've ever been on. <laughs> um, a little long but uh it was great no it's it's uh it's it's kind of a joke i mean it's a uh it's a theme park ride it's things it's um there's nothing cinematic about it it's an exceptionally two d movie uh which is ironic because like the only thing three dimensional about the movie is the three d uh everybody is just so surface and it doesn't make any um it, does, it just doesn't mean anything. It doesn't make a statement. It can't decide whether it's farcical or not. Um, I, 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 sorry, I, I'm at a loss of words. It, it's not, there are moments of actual uh, value in it. Uh, DiCaprio basically p- plays Calvin Candy again, but I liked him much more with the writing of Quentin Tarantino and the Southern accent as opposed to this weird old sporty accent he does. Uh, Toby Maguire should never work again. Can we just all agree? <laughs> I don't ever see him again. He—he's whatever charm he had was very um, childish, Uh, and now he's thirty, and I have no use for him. I don't need, you know, like Bud, like Bud from uh, Married with Children. You know, we don't need you anymore. Uh, We're good. Uh, He is unbearably bad in this movie, and unfortunately, as Nick Carraway, much of it relies on him. Right. Uh, Joel Edgerton is that his name? Edgerton. How do I say his name?
0: Nick Edgerton. Edgerton.
2: Edgerton was Edgerton. just laughably, laughably bad. I
0: agree, uh, and I, I love him. By the way, I love him so too. He's great actors. Terrible in this movie. Yeah.
2: Great in Zero Dark Thirty. Great in everything else I've seen him in. He is absolutely terrible in this movie. Uh, Carrie Mulligan is just uh, she's fine, but like any actress could have played that part. It, it, right. Why Carrie Mulligan, mm-hmm. who's one of the most talented actresses today? When you know, like Hillary Duff could have played that part. Um, that's a timely joke, quote from 2003. <laughs> uh, is Hillary Duff even still alive? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. she was on Two and a Half Men this year, so you know, she's is that, she's doing is that well. still on? <laughs> um, yes, yeah. Ugh. No, it's it's an exceptionally vapid 2D silly movie. Um, I don't understand why they made it. Um, uh, there, there's some really great. Uh, scenes of kind of like I said, some of it is is very uh, thrilling. The theme park aspect of it, uh, there's sometimes some really cool scenes. Kind of take a breathway. It'd be great in 20 minutes at Universal Studios. Uh, maybe you could have some smell-o-vision or something. Right. But uh, other than that, useless. Brian, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, it, I want to say okay. I want to say one. I don't know. I, I've had such a hard time coming up with my thoughts on this film because I, I guess I respect the effort. Um, the The novel, The Great Gatsby, is is an incredible incredible work. Um, one of my it's besides The Hobbit, it's probably my favorite literary classic ever. Um, I've read it half dozen times. I read it yesterday just to make sure that I was remembering everything correctly. Um, It's a great book. It's also completely unfilmable.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: um, You cannot, I mean, you're exactly right, Richard. It's, it's this, this movie is, is two dimensional. It's shallow. It's vapid. It doesn't have any, obviously any depth to it whatsoever. And that is because if you're taking the, the source material, just that it's, at its surface level, it it's it's a pretty meh story. It doesn't really – everything that is appealing about that book is through context and symbolism and the deeper meanings that you can't convey on the screen, that you have to convey in so many words. You know what I mean? And so I guess – the positive I guess that I will say is I don't think that this that this book can be made into a film. If you're going to do that, if you're gonna try it, I think that a guy like Boz Luhrmann is the only one that could do it mm-hmm. because you can turn it into a spectacle. I don't like Boz Luhrmann's movies at all. I've never seen one that I liked. I hate I hate Romeo and Juliet. I really don't like Moulin Rouge. Um, I saw 20 minutes of Australia and just, (laughs) just, I mean, I was on a cruise and it was showing in the big theater on the cruise ship. And I, I decided that I would rather go back to my room and watch Watchmen for the 50th time, uh, that week rather than watch Australia. I mean, it's, it's not good. Um, but I do understand that he, he has a certain style obviously. And if you're going to try to turn this incredibly, um, Oh, I don't even know how to put th- this novel that it that does not translate well to images um into a in successful movie then you have to go with this sort of his sort of style which is just kind of over the top and flamboyant. And so I I guess I give if you're going to make The Great Gatsby, I guess I give them credit for at least going this route, but that said, I don't like this movie at all. I thought that Lerman's direction was Oh, uh, really? Not that great. I was actually quite bored by the movie, which I certainly did not expect coming in, given again his his flamboyant, uh, grandiose style. I thought all of the exciting, um, over the top parts that you see in the in the trailers and whatnot, all of them are in the first hour or forty five minutes of the movie, and the back half is so incredibly dull and and slow of pace um and so you know i i guess i'll say this i get why some people like this i i understand it's it's very theatrical and dramatic and whatnot and if you're into the visuals that that lerman is known for then i i i I guess i understand why you like it but i think it's (laughs) honestly i think it's crap um, I really, I don't think this is a good movie at all.
2: Well, Ken, I'm going to chime in before you get going because I know you'll have a lot of good stuff to say. You know, the the star of this book is the prose. It's, I mean, yes, uh, Gatsby's yes. sort of a mythical character that doesn't really he doesn't really matter. Nick Carraway's sort of a a fop. The, what the star of the Great Cadsby is the how, how tightly written it is so like right. you said you can't get that across in a movie I mean no. if you ever take a technical communication class like not a English literature writing class but actual technical communication like how to write manuals or sure. you know how to write advertising copy things like this actually teach you the business and theory behind actual writing those professors will tell you that great the Great Gadsby is the greatest book ever written because there's not a uh, a word wasted. It's very concise. It gets exactly to the point. It's not flowery. It's, it's the prose in that book is unbelievable. So, uh, like you said, you're working in a handicap. Um, so it's, it's a valiant effort. It's just not good. It's just not a, not a good movie. Ken, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Um, all good stuff. I, um, I wanted to say that my feelings going into the movie are basically the exact same feelings I had going out of the movie. Um, I I basically couldn't have seen this movie and I could probably still talk about it in the exact same way on the podcast. Do you know what I mean? It's basically exactly what I expected uh, from Lerman. You know, it's like, I knew I wasn't going to get any Oscar performances in this movie, you know, considering it was pushed back from a December release last year to a May release this year. It's like, well, the acting's going to suck, but I I mean, it's (laughs) probably going to be a spectacle. Do you know what I mean? And given the... um, the trailer and everything and, and, and Jay-Z being an executive producer uh, on this film, uh, I actually thought it was going to be a lot crazier than it ended up being.
0: Yes, uh, yeah.
1: Which actually kind of I, – I kind of enjoyed that. I mean there's only very – there's very few moments of like – where I was like, okay, no, that's just over the top. Do you know what I mean? But in like totally. a movie like Moulin Rouge, you know, they walk into a bar and then all of a sudden there's trapeze. You know, it's right. like, yeah. what is going on? There's no logic used at all. But I mean, I, I really feel like you know, Lerman with his other work, you know, with with Romeo and Juliet, especially, he sort of used used the story as just the story, you know, as the skeleton to tell, or as a a movie, do you know what I mean? Like, like the, the great Gatsby, the story is the same as the book almost, but, but it's themes is what, are what's different. Do you know what I mean? It's like, especially with Shakespeare, it's like one day Bosnerman read Romeo and Juliet and then in his mind's eye, that's what he saw, you know, was that film. So it's like basically all we're getting with this is his interpretation of the Great mm. Gatsby. Do you know what I mean? Sure. It's, not like, it's it's to me it's so falsely unrealistic that it's just like almost like parodying the book. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. trying to uh I don't know what to say, like the the there there's aspects of it that are surprisingly accurate. Like I read the book, you know, a week, 3 days before I saw the mil- the film or I finished the book again. And like there were lo- specific lines that I remember from from the from the book that have no um bearing on the story. Do you know what I mean? It's like certain yeah. things they chose to make accurate, but there's certain th- huge things that they chose to make inaccurate, like the whole Total. fact that Nick Haraway is in like a a um Sanatorium, basically yeah. sanatorium with alcoholism. Yeah. When basically he says in the book, even that he's only been drunk two times in his right. life or whatever, you know, I think yeah. that's basically just to hammer home to the audience that don't trust this story that Nick Caraway is telling. It might not have happened this way. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Uh, and that's, I think that's that's kind of the message. Who's Bozerman was giving to the audience is don't trust. This is just the way I'm interpreting this story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, so, but some it of the did... some of the music and some of the music in it, I know Lerman's like Tarantino. He likes to throw crazy music in there sometimes. But some of it's, it was insulting. Like honestly, like "Crazy in Love" by Beyonce. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like that would have been actually, that that would have been cool in two thousand and four. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I I actually really I don't know that I love. I, you know what I did? I I like the anachronistic music, and that's that's really the only. I loved of, like, it, in the, I loved I it in the second half. I loved it in the like, second half. But I, th- I felt like it disappeared in
1: the second half. I felt when, like when the all indie that band stuff started coming out is when, yeah. when it got emotional to me. I, I yeah, just, it, it I... felt so tacked on in the beginning. You know, it's like... yeah, when
2: Lou Bega's "Mama Number 5 came on, that's when I was like, "This is <laughs> going somewhere."
1: Yeah. No, I, you
0: know, I, I thought that that was a, like I said, if you're gonna do this story, then you kind of have to, to go to go off the rails and do something crazy like that. And I just, I'm, I'm shocked. Honestly, Kit, I'm shocked that it, that it was as reserved as it is just kind of like what you said, that it, it does go so close to the book in so many ways. And yet it totally, it misses the point at the same time. And it's like, so if you're going to, if you're going to do this story so close to, to the source material, but you're not going to, I don't know. I needed them to go, I needed Lerman to honestly go crazy over the top of the way that Moulin Rouge is in order for this to to be successful, in my opinion. And again, I don't like Moulin Rouge, but I felt like that's what had to happen in this one to make it work. Um, I don't know. I, I think you almost have to take this movie on two levels. You have to judge it, one, as just a movie, as just a standalone film, and then also as the interpretation of the book. And I honestly, I think it fails on both levels. I think as a movie, it... Um, just what Richard said, especially, gosh, some of the, I mean, some of the performances in this movie are just so bad. Yeah. Um. It's and like, again, it's I- It's almost
1: like a parody, honestly. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like the entire thing is a costume party. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. But I, I think Joel
0: Edgerton is great, and, but he's, he's such, this is such a one-dimensional brutish character that you, there's nothing, there's nothing there to- That was
1: originally supposed to be Ben Affleck.
0: Ugh. Either way, it, it, I don't – honestly, it could have been freaking Gary Oldman. I mean it could have been <laughs> anybody in that – for the way that that is written, there's no way that anyone could have drawn anything anything positive from that character. It's just such a such a one-dimensional beatdown of a character. Toby Maguire is awful. I don't – did you guys feel like he was trying to talk like an old man in yeah, all yeah. of his
1: – He was trying his, to sound like, like he had authority to his voice when he was yeah. narrating. But but it, but but that, it sounded like happened, Peter like, Parker like why You know what I mean? This would
0: have happened like six weeks after the summer was over. Like it, it doesn't. I don't know. It was. It, it was like Baz wanted us to think that that Toby Maguire was narrating this forty years later.
2: I I don't know. It, Him and Rose that, were sitting there with the necklace. Yeah.
0: It's just I don't get that. And then from the as far as the interpretation of the book, like we said, it's it's an. It's a. It's not. It can't possibly translate to the screen to begin yeah. with. But if you are going to do it, here's my two huge complaints: translation from book to to film, and then I'll shut up because I know I've been talking way more than anybody else. But, um, totally missed on Daisy's character, Daisy Buchanan. Yeah, they in her the book, face. she
1: was like a prostitute, basically. Yeah, yes. she was hooking up with dudes all the yeah. time. Yeah. And, yeah, she is, <laughs> and she's a manipulative.
0: I mean she's just a horrible human being and in the movie it's – she's so sympathetic and she's the victim of her circumstances and that – man, that really turned me off to what was going on there. It
1: really – it really, on just something about this, Ryan. It really made me angry that it basically made Gatsby and Daisy a love affair together instead of Gatsby being weirdly obsessed with Daisy like he is yeah. in the book. Do you know what I yeah. mean? It's like totally. he has no right to love her. But in yeah. this, it's like they've been in love all
0: along, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I and the other big complaint, the other thing is is I think part of the great what makes the great Gatsby, the, the novel so great, um, other than as as Richard mentioned, just the the prose, which is just such so spectacular, um, Gatsby is such a mysterious unknown character. And yeah. You you, you get the great thing about this book, and it, like I said, I reread it last night, and it just reminded me of how great it is. You get, you get to see his character unfold along with Nick Carraway and the rest of those the, the characters in the book, and it you just become more and more wrapped in his character and and want to know more. And you you only get little tidbits here and there, and you never know what's true and what's not. Um, I think that's what makes the book so great, and. They basically give you everything about his his story. I mean, it's like an origin story almost in the beginning, and so you know almost everything there is to know about this great mysterious character.
1: And that his name's not but really Gatsby and stuff. stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's just it it's shocking to me that somebody who 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 can read that it's shocking to me that anybody can read that book and and obviously care about that book or or why would you make a film based off of it and yet miss. This central point to what makes it so great it's just I don't know I'm very disappointed in that aspect of it and it it just made me long for long for the book and I'm not one of those people that that constantly holds up you know the book and says well the book is better than the movie Um, but man that's coming out of this movie that's all I could think of was I just I've just got I've got to go read the book I've got to go read the book and get this this bad taste out of my mouth almost I, I don't know.
2: Yeah, did uh, did either of you see Anna Karenina? Karenina? No, no. Okay, so this is kind of a, what you would hope they would do with Gatsby. So uh, Tom Stoppard, who's just a magnificent playwright, a uh, really funny guy, wrote the script for it, and he just totally changed. I, I, and Anna Karenina is almost unfilmable too, like Gatsby, and they just changed everything. The whole play, the whole play. Uh, Or the whole story takes place in a playhouse, in a theater. Um, You know, there's different plots. It's just such a loose adaptation. They've totally reimagined it. Uh, I think Gatsby, that's the only way to do this. Sure. And it's really a pretty, I mean, it's 85% uh, kind of to the book. And then just with these weird, like you Mm -hmm. said, like all the reveal on Gatsby and stuff, which just defeats the whole purpose. I mean, it's not the great Gatsby anymore. It's this really ironic title, right? That's why it's called that. It's it's Wonderful irony, but instead they just get that out of the way. This book, this movie should just be called just you know Gatsby and some and Gatsby and Bros or something. And <laughs> it, it's it's uh, that you're right, and uh, that's something I should have brought up. And good job, Brian, catching that. Ruining the mystique of that character immediately takes all interest away from that character. It's a crime. It, re- it yeah. is a
0: crime. Honestly,
1: uh, yeah, like the stuff when I was talking earlier about the stuff he they chose to include, mm. like. The stuff, the stuff they chose not to include, like this, the part in the book where uh, Gatsby's dad comes, you know, and that's how he finds out about Gatsby's true past, you know. Yeah. And uh, the fu- whole funeral sequence, basically, at the right. end, of people reflecting on Gatsby and everything, it's like it's basically the end of the book. They don't include in the movie, you know. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's they. They tried to make it a a love story you know like yeah like you're talking about the prose and and i think what really makes makes the great gatsby the great american novel is not the story you know because right. it's really not that great of a story do you know what i mean not no. much happens you know no. it's basically a lot of dudes getting drunk and talking and uh you know there's somebody gets killed you know and that's and it's not you know like when you're in high school you always get angry at it because you're like, wow, we had to read that. Nothing really happened in that book. You know what I mean? It's not that, not the story. That's great. It's it's the way it's written. You mm-hmm. know, it's the words flowing on the page. You know, it's the it's the fact that it leaves you up to your own interpretation of the story. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so, sure. unfortunately, Lerman only gave us his interpretation of the story and none of the themes presented in the in the book. Do you know yep. what I mean? Yep. Um, like you said. Very flat, um, especially the first half, I thought. It was almost cartoonish uh, with the accents they were speaking in, these 1920s, like roaring 20s accents. How'd go, Old Spot? That's especially, pretty fun, no, man. no, the women especially, I thought. Yeah. It yeah. Was t- especially Daisy and, oh, Richard, our favorite, Isla Fisher, made oh, an appearance. I know. Better in this or now you see me, Richard?
2: <laughs> uh, uh, this, because I didn't want to pull my tonsils out with a but, t- yeah, I, salad fork.
1: I thought that they Lerman was Desperately trying to show the audience That hey guys guess what this was a book first This used to be a book They (laughs) were literally showing words on the screen As they were being said like a powerpoint
2: or something Made for 8 year olds
1: Yeah (laughs) Um, Confused me at the end Let's go into spoiler territory now For Great Gatsby Um, If at the end When when, um, Jason Clark's character Comes and shoots Gatsby Why was there no security in Gatsby's house whatsoever?
2: Like, wasn't... Isn't he rich?
0: Uh,
2: I'm not going to waste my time trying to figure out the logistics (laughs) of this movie. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) You guys can solve that. If this guy's a billionaire
1: or whatever, like, didn't he have anybody watching his house? Like, the one guy was standing
0: right there and just didn't do anything about it. Yeah, his, like, butler or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I did not care for the way that they... That he brought that to life either. I just, I thought it was kind of a, a yeah, misfire. They hammer
1: you over the head in this film with the green yeah. light. Yeah. Like in the book, I, I think I remember like last week I paid attention to it when I read it. It was at the beginning in the middle and the end. It's when they mentioned the green light. It's like, there's at least five sequences in this film where they show it. And it's just like a sweeping shot of the ocean with fog. Yeah. And this light. It's like the same shot over and over again. With like, we get that there's a green light. It's cool. Um, but I thought it was there was I mean there was stuff to praise about this movie. I mean it's cool to look at. I mean it's basically a two hour two and a half hour music video, you know. Yeah. Um, costumes were cool. I'm sure come Oscar time people would be talking about the costumes and the cars and everything. Production design was pretty good. The cinematography was annoying. I'll say I hated it. Hated it. Better um, yeah. than now was... you see me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's way better than now you see me. Yeah. Oh. It was watchable.
0: Did you guys see it in 3D or 2D?
1: I had 3D. to see it in 3D. Yeah.
0: 3D. Okay. Uh, I I saw it in 2D because I obviously I hate I hate 3D. I I thought a lot of the shots, especially especially anything uh, like the car chases, anything where where there was real movement on the screen was horribly shot. It was out of focus. It. It, and i couldn't tell if that was done purposefully or if it was subs you know stuff that was shot for 3d that just looks like crap in 2d but regardless i i hated the cinematography in the movie i hated the shot selection i i thought it was very distracting how uh bad <laughs> just generally just how bad uh it was and i don't know if that came across in the 3d viewing for you guys if that was just the unfortunate thing of seeing it in 2d but it was it was awful on the, the the print that I saw.
1: Yeah, I honestly would have been a little bit offended had had anyone else directed this movie though. Do you know what I mean? Like you guys said, it almost gets a pass because it's Lerman and the fact that it's over the top and doesn't follow any of the themes is exactly what you expect. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's like okay, the characters are going to be named Gatsby and Caraway, but that's pretty much right. Like, it might be the only thing we get here. But I'm still willing to accept that going in. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Um, any uh, any other thoughts? Uh, anything else? Anything else you did that you guys liked about it? I mean, we talked a lot of hate. Any for anything you guys liked?
0: I DiCaprio was okay. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't one of his better performances, but I think a. A mediocre Leonardo DiCaprio performance is better than a lot of people's best performances, and so I enjoyed that. And i I do enjoy. I think Richard mentioned there are some, or maybe it was you can't. There, there are moments throughout the movie that are pretty good, and I think all of those, for the most part, um, I liked. Are, I liked
1: the whole, um, basically, the climax of the film. You know, where the meeting between Egerton and DiCaprio. I thought that was probably the best moment in the film the tension in the room and like after the fight you know yeah. McGuire's, McGuire's just the third wheel do you know and he's just kind of like uh yeah what do i do now you know i thought that yeah. was pretty it was okay. pretty good i mean it's i would rather watch this again than that was the only moment in the film where we got any dialogue any legit dialogue or acting do you know what i mean it's yeah. like yeah. okay finally we're getting something here so yeah. Uh, yeah
0: i mean i didn't hate my life while i was watching it and So that's, I mean, I didn't really hate my life while I was watching. So that's at least something, but that doesn't mean it's good. Um, More than anything, the good moments in this movie just reminded me of how great the novel is. um, Because I felt, I really truly felt like most of the best moments in the film were taken almost word for word directly from the book. And that made me remember how much, because it's probably been five or six years since I'd read the, the novel. It made me remember how much I love it, so... Go read the book, kids. I mean, seriously. this it, it, It's required reading, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Um, Richard, anything you enjoy about it? Uh, no,
2: not really. End credits. <laughs> the end credits were all right. Yeah,
1: and end credits look great in 3D. I'll yeah. say that. Um, so what would you grade this, Brian?
0: Uh, in the review I put up today, I gave it a C+. Having now spent an hour talking about it, I'm changing it to a C. So,
2: yeah. okay, Richard. <laughs> uh, I'm in the same range. Probably C minus. Probably go a little. Probably liked it a little less.
1: Yeah, I would say a C, solid C for me. I would say three and a half stars, maybe three. Um, not a complete failure, considering it's Boslerman. That's you know, that's basically my synopsis of it. Uh, it's it's not worse than Australia. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. what what else do we want? Uh, he'll, he'll probably, you know, who knows when, when we'll see another movie from him. It's, it's kind of weird. You know, he, do, he writes his own movies and like kind of, it's kind of a weird guy, you know? So, yeah. um, really kind of an interesting, I don't think this is going to be a film that people talk about in 10 years, you know, just like no one talks about, you know, Romeo and Juliet anymore as anything significant and cinematically. So, um, any other thoughts on this before we, uh, move on to weekly recommends?
0: No, I'm I'm done. I got nothing.
1: Who knows? Yeah, like I said, maybe we'll we'll have to talk about this later in the year when uh, award season comes out. I don't think sure. it'll hold up for anything, but um, you never know. I
2: hope not. I, I hope bet not. maybe
1: costume design. I can see it being nominated for that. Yeah. Uh, but that's it. Yeah,
2: it should win that, I think. I mean, th- those are great costumes. Nothing's going to be more extravagant than that. Yeah,
1: I thought the cars it's- were awesome. By the way, yes, Didn't yeah, you guys? That's that sure. was that yeah. was the highlight of the movie. Was singing yes, those cars. <laughs>
2: those cars were <laughs> awesome.
1: They were. Um, so uh, let's move on. To Weekly recommends. Brian Gill. I uh, yeah
0: I, uh, I've been watching almost exclusively this this week. I've been watching The Office um, just to try to, to watch, I've been trying to watch every single episode leading up to the finale on on Friday. So I haven't been able to. to Get much time to watch very many movies, but um, there's a movie that came out on Blu-ray I think last week that I just ordered today, so I haven't got a chance to rewatch it. But it's one of my uh, one of my favorite movies, and and one that um, I don't know. I think our generation maybe has kind of lost over the years because it's it's kind of old. It's obviously it's much older, uh, and that's the The Great Escape, which was uh, made in 1963. It's a it's a war movie about you know basically POWs trying to escape from a a Nazi prison camp, and uh, with oh, Steve McQueen, and who else? Uh, James Garner, and a, a ton of other guys that you recognize from from the, the from that time. Charles Bronson, Richard Attenborough, James Coburn, etc. Yeah, Colburn, et cetera. Uh, yeah. Um, great film. One of those films – one of those movies that like your dad really likes and as a kid you're like this is stupid and then when you're older, you check it out and you, you realize that it's a great movie. Um, definitely worth worth picking up. It's like $8 on Amazon for, for Blu-ray. Um, I've got a DVD copy that I bought like five or six years ago for five bucks or something at, at Walmart um, and uh, and it really is a great movie. Have you, have you guys ever seen this?
2: I have seen that movie.
0: Okay. Uh, I have not definitely check it out Kent. it's in my in my opinion it's one of the best war movies um ever and uh steve mcqueen i mean anything steve mcqueen is in is pretty yes. great but uh he's just such an awesome guy he's got a a very there's a few iconic shots and scenes throughout the movie that um you probably recognize even if you haven't seen a movie just just from you know watching montages on the academy awards or whatever playing seen it you know things like that um that uh, just jump out at you from the screen but the whole movie's great uh totally worth seeing and it like i said it just came out on blu-ray for the first time so uh, i encourage anybody just to just if you've never seen it just blind buy it pick it up on amazon for eight or ten bucks and uh and give it a shot because it's it's very good movie
1: awesome yeah i'm gonna check it out for sure i there's no excuse for me not to seen it at this point it's been sure. sixty years or whatever. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. So um yeah, I'm gonna do it. Hey, uh I want to recommend a documentary. I know it's a shock. Um I, I watched it on Netflix. It is uh made in about two thousand and ten, I think. Um I don't know if it got an Oscar nomination. I think it did, actually. Brian, you might have seen it. It's called Brooklyn's Castle. And uh no, this documentary um basically about this intermediate school in Brooklyn, which is uh, fifth, sixth, or sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, and um, it's basically about their chess team. And their chess team has won like thirty or thirty straight uh, chess cha- national chess championships or whatever. Okay. So it's about uh, the kind of the culture of the school and how uh, all the cool kids are the kids that play chess, you know, and not the kids that play sports really. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's a really interesting documentary. Uh, I definitely suggest. um Checking it out uh, based purely on a documentary standpoint, it's a great documentary. Even if you don't like chess or have never played, Uh, I actually have played chess. I played a ton. I was actually in the tournament circuit when I was in elementary. I I had at my old school until I moved when I was in fifth grade. So I it really brought back a lot of memories of going to these tournaments and how serious kids take it. You know, uh, this is something as simple as a game of chess, and uh, just how great of a game chess is. You know, it's like. Uh, they say in the documentary there's more possibilities of games of chess than there are atoms in the universe. So wow, that's uh, cool. huh. just a really interesting documentary. Check it out. It's on Netflix. It's free to watch if you have an account. Brooklyn's Castle is my way to recommend.
2: I'll
1: check that uh, out. Check it out. Richard.
2: Okay, I've got two potentials. Should I do Should I do a TV show or a book? TV show. Okay. So I did check with... out
1: Lampham's Quarterly, though, and that was awesome.
2: So Isn't that cool? That. Really cool. Lampham's is not the design beautiful of that. On yeah. that, I want to buy a uh,
1: subscription, but it was expensive.
2: It's super expensive, but yeah. it's great to flip through when you're at the bookstore. Um, so, uh, they uh, oh, okay. So, my toughest show of the week is Brian and I. I've talked about him with him with about okay, let's start over. Uh, <laughs> I've talked with Brian about this a number of times, try to give him the watch. I know I eventually will, uh, and it's fitting this week with our news of the week. It's my favorite sitcom of all time, the Larry Sanders show. Yes. Uh, yeah. which which is about uh, which is about talk shows. So with with Seth Meyers taking over um, for uh, Jimmy Fallon, uh, it's always good to go back and revisit that bad boy. One of the funniest comedies ever. It's so, the so innovative. Uh, you know the writers that have come from it. You know Judd Apatow and uh, and Co. And, and Shandling's so good. Rip Torn, I mean you can't, Jeffrey Tambor the cast is unbelievable, it's so well written and it's so weird to see that type of comedy come out of people with like haircuts from 1992 because um, the comedy is so modern and, uh, and, and subtle and brilliant and uh, couldn't recommend it higher, my favorite show of all time Larry Sanders show, it's on DVD now you get the whole box set, it's good times it's on yeah. Netflix too.
1: I think I uh, was watching an interview with I think Jonah Hill or something uh, yeah. a couple weeks ago and he actually said that it was his favorite show of all time too. It's so it's, you know, he it holds like, up. He said he thinks it's the best show ever made, yeah. or whatever. So it's
2: it holds up so unbelievably but well. It's on Netflix. Yeah, seriously, Kent. But watch a couple yeah. tonight and try not to I try will. not to laugh out loud.
1: I will definitely. Anything else you guys want to mention uh, before we get out of here? Nope.
2: Nope. That's it. Now you so, see me. Don't go see it.
1: <laughs> we'll see that that all. That's I will we'll say that until it releases, area. yeah. Even after that, too, just to, warrant, <laughs> just to make sure everyone knows. The if you're at Redbox,
2: you see Red, if you're at Redbox and you see now you can see me, don't be tempted. It's <laughs> yes, not worth your don't, dollar.
1: Don't do it. Actually, yeah, you should actually buy them and break all the discs. Just Do a <laughs> do public service to right. the community. Take one. <laughs> uh, anything else you guys want to mention before we uh, get out of here? Yeah,
0: and
1: that's right. it. Or we're done. All right. Uh, until next time, we will see you guys at the cinema.
2: Yeah, we will. All right.
1: Goodbye. Sleep.